Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of That's Entertaining. This week we'll be discussing, oh man, X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But, ladies and gentlemen, joining me once again, back from his honeymoon, the newly married Mr. Alex DeWayhe. Alex, congratulations and welcome back. Thank you, Nathan. I feel like the exact same person Seriously? that I was when I left, yeah. Oh, well. Except I have a better ring on my finger than I did before. Right answer. Right? Left, no. Left Wait. answer. Left. <laughs> so, how was your honeymoon? It was great. It was Were great. you entertained? I, uh, I was entertained by, um, you know, where we were and uh, being able to, you know, actually step away from work and the hecticness of life and just kind of enjoy day to day, just whatever I felt like doing. Man, sounds like the most magical place on earth. <sighs> it really was. The hotel room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just because it was just it was just relaxing. It was it was good. It was good time. You know what I mean? Just getting away. Just being able to take your mind off everything that's going on in life. It was great. Excellent. Yep. So, anything cool that you saw or were considered to be entertaining while you were on vacation? Yes, I know that you'll appreciate this too. Um, they have completely embraced Star Wars. <laughs> down in Disney. I mean, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. It's just everywhere. I mean, the best park was Hollywood Studios. I mean, they were selling just a whole bunch of Star Wars merchandise. I mean, that's where they're going to put the big Star Wars expansion, yeah. um, which, you know, a good chunk of the park is marked off anyway. But everybody had Star Wars shirts. People were walking around with BB-8 cups, and they had popcorn bowls that were TIE Fighters. It was just, it was just the best thing of my life. Popcorn bowls that were TIE Fighters. So you get this big, it's like 20 bucks because it's Disney, but you get this big, it, it's not small, it's huge. And I, I didn't want to walk around with it all day, that's the only reason why we didn't get it. <laughs> it's a huge TIE Fighter. And in the middle, the the middle part where the you know the cockpit is, mm -hmm. top twists off and they put popcorn in there. Same concept with BB-8 except a drink. <laughs> so how big was this, like a baseball, no. basketball? Um, basketball sized. Bob so the, the cockpit was a basketball size. Yes. Uh -huh. And then the wings were obviously proportionate, but what was on the wings? Peanut butter or butter and salt? <laughs> no, proportionate in size. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But well, uh, that's cool. we did get a BB-8 cup, and that's just because it's you know circular. It was small. It's it's more like a um. I don't know if there's a ball that's really. Uh, that size. I mean, it's bigger than a baseball, but you know, a, a tiny softball? bit bigger than a base softball, maybe. Yeah, a little bit bigger than a softball, but uh, you know, best fifteen bucks I ever spent. I'll tell you. Did it light up or do anything? Cool nope. Or just had drinks. Nope. In it? Just sits there. Straw comes out his head, and you drink. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Well, that's cool. It's good. Um, so did you see Darth Vader or anybody walking around? Yes. I always stop by the Jedi Academy when I'm there because I always want to... I always wanna, step by the Jedi Academy. I always want to participate, and it's always little kids, but I'm hopeful... <laughs> like, can I go? I'm hopeful that one time I'm going to walk by, and there's going to be a big kid there, and mm -hmm. I'm just going to be like, okay, because he's doing it, I want to do it. Do they, have, they need to have, like, an adult's... You know, they really do time like after nine o'clock or something like the adults today. They Academy. really do, where they use real swords or lightsabers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I always stopped by. They did. They did bring Darth Vader out. They had the the little Jedi Padawans force push him away into the little temple, and there was a whole bunch of smoke. And then they actually created a brand new 
line of the story for the little Jedi Padawans. And after they force push him into the smoke, Kylo Ren comes out. And he does a little thing. And does thing. he say, I will finish what you started? Yes, he actually <laughs> does. does. He? Yes, and it, it's actually Adam Driver's voice that's recorded. I can, you know, his voice is kind of mm-hmm. mistakable. Um, so they actually did, you know, record his voice for this. And the Star Tours ride that we went on actually had a, a, a you know, portion in there where it was the uh, Millennium Falcon chase on Jakku where you're flying through the Star Destroyer. Cool. Finn was there, and he, he had some recorded dialogue himself. So it was... Uh, it's really cool. It's going to be something when they... I, I mean, I can't even imagine how crazy it's going to be when they open that Star Wars-themed... I mean, they have to do, do you know something. when that it will be? When Star Wars World will open or whatever they call um, it? I heard very late of this decade, so probably like 2019. This decade? Yeah, 2019, oh, 2020. Yeah, it's going to take a couple years. But when I was down there, we ate at a restaurant that's kind of right outside where they had the section marked off, and they have probably like a 50-foot wall or higher set up so you can't see and even behind that you can still kind of from a distance see some of the buildings that have already begun construction out there and it just I can't even imagine what it's going to look like. Now this wall mm-hmm. was it was it was it beautiful and was it paid for by you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> they had some concept art on there and I mean it just it looks phenomenal. I mean there's so much that they can do with a universe like I mean I, I really think they should just have their own Star Wars park. You know what I mean? Well eventually it'll probably come back. It'll probably become like Lucasfilm land or something. With Indiana Jones coming out, they're probably gonna have more Indiana Jones stuff because they don't do the stunt spectacular anymore, right? They they ended that or is that still going? Oh uh, we on? saw the Indiana Jones stunt when okay, we so were down there. I, I don't know if it's maybe one of the last shows that they're gonna do, but I always really enjoyed that. That's like one of the things that we have to do when we go down there. So I'm actually kind of upset that they're taking that away. Yeah. But um you know, if they're gonna do something for Star Wars instead, I'm okay with it. You you'll make the change? I, I'll accept it. <laughs> well awesome. Um, yeah. Well it's glad to have you back. Obviously we had some people fill your your shoes while we were out. We talked a little bit of X-Men now since since you this will be the first time uh, since we've been doing the X-Men series that you're back on, right? Because you were off, I think, what was the last one that you were on? Yeah, it was uh, Batman versus Superman. Yeah, yeah. All the way back then. So now, yeah, this is your first one. Did you get a chance to watch X-Men 1, 2, and 3 before 3? Yes, yes I watched all three. Um, I've, I've seen them multiple times before. Actually, X3 is the one that I've seen the least. Um for obvious reasons, but... Uh, have you seen all of them? Like, so you've seen Wolverine, uh, X-Men, Days of Future... Or, not Days of Future, actually, that's, that's next. Um, first Class, one, two, and three. Give me give me your... For those except for three, give me, like, your two or three sentence thoughts. Okay, uh, well, I, I haven't seen all of them. Okay. There's one of the Wolverine Origins movie that I don't think I've seen. It's the one where he's in Japan. So that's actually next week. Oh, that's no okay. Yeah, I, I actually haven't seen that one, but I've seen the Origins movie. I watched 1, 2, and 3 in, in uh, preparation for this podcast here. Um, are you are you wanting me to just kind of rank before yeah. X3? Or? Yeah, before X3, just give me your, your couple, just some quick fire thoughts, what you enjoyed or what you didn't like about sure. specifically 1 and 2. Sure. So, um, I really enjoyed the first X-Men. I think that they did a phenomenal job casting uh, these people for these roles, uh, with the exception of um, Cyclops. <laughs> I, it, Good old it, Scott. It just... <sighs> It just doesn't make sense to have this star-studded cast, these really good actors, and then a very main character just 
not that he has to be a named character, just... It, it just doesn't add up. You know what I mean? It just doesn't look the way that it should. He was okay in the first one. Yes, um, but he gets considerably worse in the next couple ones. <laughs> well, in X-Men 2, he didn't, they, his, they didn't give him hardly any lines. His best performance, in my opinion, was X3. And, <laughs> um, but X-Men, X-Men 1 was really good. I remember watching it when it came out in theaters when I was a kid, and I was just like... Because I had watched the cartoon pretty mm-hmm. heavily when I was a kid, and I was just kind of just in shock that it was able to be translated into a more adult version. And uh, I really enjoyed the acting. I really enjoyed the special effects at the time. They were actually, they still hold up pretty well, in yeah. my opinion. Um, and X2, I think, took it to a, a new level, and I, I thought X2 was actually really, really good, mm-hmm. a lot better than the first X-Men. I think they built on the story real well. Um, they They kept all the characters from what we know about them to be true from their backstories. They kept those intact pretty well. Um, and then I'll keep my comments about X3 to myself for right now. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about them. But X2 and then X1, definitely, definitely. Awesome. So, why don't we just go ahead and get into our entertaining thoughts for this week then. Okay. X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Now, as I said in the previous podcast, I didn't know... It's been a long time since I watched this movie. For for apparent reasons. Yes. And I... Watching this movie again reminded me why I haven't watched it in a long time. Because, you know me, I look for the bright side in things. I look for, you know, I want to find out the the inspiration that was behind it, the heart, you know. The inspiration or the thought process. Yes. <laughs> even, what was going with, through these people's heads. Right. Yeah. Even with that Fantastic Four movie that we went and saw in the theater, I was oh. looking for there there was there was a heart there, but it was gone, you know, within the first hour. Um this movie I coming in from X Men Two, the final scene where Jean is sacrificing herself to save everybody, the power that she's displaying, and then what I knew as a comic book fan, as a fan of the Mm X-Men, that the Phoenix was coming. And they hinted that in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And this movie was going to be it. This was going to be the Phoenix, finally, yes. And the title itself speaks to a great event Mm -hmm. that's going to happen in the movie that we're all really excited. It's the last stand. Mm -hmm. And at this point in time, we're only supposed to understand that this is a trilogy. Uh-huh. So this is the third movie, which means it Something's is a last happen. stand. Mm-hmm. So going into this movie, I wanted... Ten years ago, I think this movie came out. 2006. Yeah. Wow, and, it's been ten years already. Yeah. Wow, okay. And ten years ago, I went into this theater, and I was like, they're going to do mutant registration, or no, they're going to do the cure, and... They're going to include Angel, and they're, they're all these mutants. I was like, what are they doing? So it was kind of iffy. But I knew that Phoenix was in it. And mm-hmm. so I was like, it's going to be a story about the Phoenix. It has to be. They're going to really dive into that storyline. They don't, really. They they ruin it. They They take the Phoenix character and turn her into some sort of psychopathic mm-hmm. monster, uh, you know, uncontrollable. That's not the Phoenix. They're, if you're familiar with the, com- the comics, 
there is a period where there's a dark phoenix, but even that was more in-depth than what they showed here. They they bring her back at the beginning. Scott goes out to El- out to Alkali Lake where she died mm-hmm. on his motorcycle. You know, that was probably <laughs> the best scene in the best movie. Scene the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's just you know very distraught. He's still very sad because like I pointed out in the last episode, uh, just watch him in the final scene when they're talking to the president. He's very mm, pouty face. <laughs> um, he's still doing that in this movie. He's I don't know how long this has been since then, but he's he, still very distraught and. He goes out there, he sees Jean, and, you know, he's She dead. disintegrates him. Yeah. Well, we don't see what happens. Right. It's assumed that something bad happened, and later on it's confirmed that, oh, I killed him. But you never, he died off screen. Yep. You would have liked to see it on screen. I wouldn't, wouldn't have minded at all <laughs> if that was on screen. <laughs> so, and then it sets, sets the tone with, like, okay, well, I don't know what they're doing here with, with this, with Jean, with this Phoenix character. But I do like how they started this movie out mm-hmm. with that scene where it's back in the back in the day when Jean is a young girl and Magneto and Professor X are going around kind of recruiting. I think this was she was the first recruit, technically. Yes. They, Outside of the two of them, right? Uh, they de-aged their faces a little bit. You could kind of see that. That wasn't. It was okay. It stood out a little bit as being a little bit off because of what I know the people look like, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a good scene, seeing her, like, levitating stuff outside and just having all this power. And you got the Stanley cameo. The first Stanley cameo <laughs> of any X-Men movie we get in X-Men 3. And, you know, I don't remember the first time that it's said in this movie because I, every time I heard it, I cringed. They talk about Class 3 mutants, Class 5 mutants, you know, different power levels. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in X-Men 1 or 2, Origins or anything, was there a class system. Right. It's like, oh, you're you're class 5. Nobody in here is stupid. I mean, it, th- my interpretation of it is that that's what the government assigned to these mutants based on their, you know, how dangerous they could be to society. No, no, no. That's just my interpretation. I mean, it, the government doesn't know. Right. Well, they don't know. Who allegedly. They are. Yeah, they're not registered. There, is, right. there was no registration. Right. Um, and the only this girl can that one person can oh can sense how fast or how uh, how powerful people are. That's the only person who's like, that's your thing. You're fast and you can sense how powerful people are. That's stupid. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and. I, oh man, if I ha- if I was a mutant, I would be like really offended right now. <laughs> well, you know, it, that one is stupid though. <laughs> I mean, it's she, the first time you hear oh, she's a class five mutant, and Xavier or Magneto's like, where is she? I mean, Magneto wouldn't if it is a, a government regulated thing. Magneto would not use it. He would not adhere to it. That's true. I mean, that's true. That's their system, not ours. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So, it's stupid. That, by the way, right off the bat. The other thing that you see at the beginning of this movie is a kid angel trying to cut off his wings. And there's like this whole botched side plot with him in this movie. You see this scene. You see a scene later on where he's going to get the cure. And then he runs out the window. And then he shows up at the, ex- the mansion for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the base and saves his dad. And uh, he's a really cool character, and they actually cast uh, 
a really good actor to play him too that I that I really like. And he he's fine, but they again misused that yeah. character. It's a swing and a miss there for sure. Yeah, it's Angel is another character that's got a really cool story in the X Men, but here he's just a guy with wings. That's I don't know. It seems like they wanted to do too much. They did. They so here's what they've tried to do in this movie. They tried to do the Phoenix story. Mm-hmm. They tried to do the cure. They tried to tell Angel's story, which needed its own. He needed his own movie, kind of. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then they introduced the Juggernaut, which is not the Juggernaut. And they introduced the the army of uh, mutants that Magneto builds, the Brotherhood, mm-hmm. which that should have its own thing because you know he's always kind of had two or three mutants with him. No, I mean he he does at points build a huge army. Yep. So. A lot of things they tried to cram into this. And then the whole... I, we talked about it last week with the casting of Nightcrawler was being really cool, really good with a dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. Now we get another blue guy, Beast, cast by the guy that plays Frasier, and I can't think of his name, Kelsey oh, Grammer. Kelsey Grammer, yep. Excellent, excellent piece of casting for this movie. Probably the best thing to come out of this movie was him being cast as the Beast. Yeah. Because... To me, Beast is the very smart guy, um, very diplomatic. That's the guy he was in the cartoon and in the comics mm-hmm. that I remember. Yep. That, well, that's Beast. Yes. He's always quoting poetry. He's quoting things and that. He's very well learned. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we get a good Beast in the Days of Future Past and in the, you know, the 60s first class as well. It's good. But this is a good personification of what I know of Beast. So Definitely. Liked seeing him in here, and they also introduce Kitty Pride. She is a very important piece of the X Men mythos uh, and the X Men lore because actually she went back in time in Days of Future Past, the comic book, mm-hmm. not Wolverine, but in what we'll talk about in a couple weeks. She's instrumental to that as well. So when you look at introducing a character like Kitty Pride. She's introduced as just another character and a student and a love interest of Bobby's in a way. And I just... they they tr- How long was this movie? It felt like it should have been longer to try to do what they wanted to accomplish. It could have been more than an hour and 45 minutes. Hour and 44. Right. So... <laughs> so this... We get movies... God! We get movies today that are two and a half hours long. Yeah. That could... That need to be shortened. This movie, to really accomplish what they wanted to do, should have been longer. What in the world? Alex, tell me, what were they thinking in this movie? You know, after watching it, I mean, you really have to kind of sit and wonder what they were thinking. I mean, and to then come out with... coming off, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, he's getting upset. (laughs) And then to come out with what they did in Days of Future Past, I mean, that... That's almost an admission of oops. Yeah. So here's... Okay. I'm not... There is a glimmer of hope at the end of the next movie that restores my faith in the love of X-Men in movies that we get the reset later on. Mm -hmm. Because this movie was botched. This movie was bad. Yeah, and you can't say that this was the plan, right? This was the design. I mean, you don't spend 10 years ago. You don't spend 200... $210 and that's ten a lot. years ago. That's a lot ten years ago. That's a lot now. Mm-hmm. $210 million ten years ago. 
you can't say that this was the design. You can't say we intended to do this just to undo it later. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying it. <sighs> okay, so well, th- this. But I see what you're saying. It had a heart. No, it didn't. A this did not. A beating heart. No, it didn't even have that. It was cold. See? It was Iceman's heart. It was cold as ice. It was Iceman's heart. <laughs> but, like, you know, reading through some of some of the information you just online, it, it seems like they took stories from, like, five or six different mm-hmm. sources. Yeah, but you can't it's do that. It's directionless. In an hour and 45 minutes. No, not at all. I guarantee you that this did not have the same writers as the first two. Didn't have the same director. We know that. It was Brett Ratner directed this one. And it was... um, Brian Singer. Yeah, for the other two. And I think he's coming... He he did Days of Future Past, and he's come back for Apocalypse, too. So So we're getting... Hopefully. Hopefully we're getting some of that heart back. Yeah. Because Days of Future Past was a... This isn't talking about that. We'll talk about that later. They had a monumental task to fix this travesty. Because this movie came out in 2006... First class, I think, was 2010. So it was four years later. They kind of decided they were going to reboot it, but they were able to tie things in and make it not really a reboot, but a prequel story. And with its purpose with to its, be undo what was right. horrifically done right. in the last stand. And it did it. It did. So anyway, let's talk for again about this. Unfortunately, this terrible movie that is the last stand because I hate this movie. I cannot tell you how much I was seething. After this movie was over, I immediately went to the special features, Alex, and I looked for the apology. It was not there. <laughs> oh my gosh! The redo, <laughs> the alternate movie, not yes. just the alternate ending, just the alternate movie. So here's what I did: I watched the trailer, and I was like, "This trailer is the movie. This whole movie was just an hour and forty-five minute trailer. For, it had no heart. It yeah. had no good story. I God, I hate this movie. And how cool would it have been if they want to introduce all this stuff? Fine. Okay, if you want to introduce all these different characters, all of these different storylines, fine. Make it, obviously you need more time in the movie, but make these separate storylines, you know, leading up to this one huge event. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's so impactful. Don't give me a, you know, 10-minute scene of Angel and then, you know, half an hour later towards the end of the movie, he's just there. And I have another thing for you. Okay, Leech. The character that has the cure. How did they weaponize his power? <laughs> you can't just weaponize Magneto's power. Well, and what's the timeline for all this? Like, how, I mean, probably was it like overnight <laughs> or yeah? It just, it just seems like it's super rushed and like <sighs> this movie's terrible. Okay, so it's just a really bad interpretation of yes. where to take the franchise from the point of X two on. Yes, just a very bad interpretation. Another thing. Yes. <laughs> So, literally, they took the Alcatraz prison and turned it into this pharmaceutical thing, and they are quite literally imprisoning a mutant child mm-hmm. in in this room. And you see him, like, his most acting is looking out of a window at stuff happening outside. Ah, this movie is terrible. How do you really feel, Nathan? <laughs> I mean, don't hold back. I just, okay, but seriously... How do you weaponize Leech's power? Okay? You can't just do that for all these other people. And then how did how did we know that it actually worked? We didn't see this work on anybody. We saw when when Beast went to go shake his hand that yeah, his hand became, you know, uh, normal looking again. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that's, that's all, all the we saw. That's all the proof that they needed. I mean, they it, it's like one of those things where 
they don't care to explain or they there don't is no feel story the need to explain to you. They show you a clip or like five seconds of an image and Stop. they're just like, no, yeah, all no. the audience will assume that this is what it means. This is the – okay. When I was watching this movie, at the end, when the, there's that – the three thing of uh, the cure in the clip that's broken mm-hmm. and Wolverine sees it and then Beast sees it mm-hmm. and then Storm sees it. They all look at each other and they look back at that thing and it's like – Okay, you get 15 seconds to tell me what you're going to do. I understand that. You can't give me five seconds to realize... Give me, like, a montage or something. Yeah. Like, a video offside of this other thing. Good Lord, this storytelling isn't even a story. This is literally... They shot a trailer and forgot to make a movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and, and more often than not, just outside of it being X-Men, just as a movie in general... You're going to leave the majority of your audience, your viewers, just scratching their heads. I can't believe how outraged I am about this movie. And, yeah, I, this, is, this, is, this is weird. This is, a, <laughs> this is a good one to come back on. <laughs> because, okay, I wasn't even this outraged about... Uh, uh, Were you this passionate Four? about the other two? I love the other two. So, yeah. okay, another thing. This, these two movies and the Spider-Man movies are my childhood Correct. Not, not right. my childhood, but my 13, my very formative yep. years when mm-hmm. I was really like, oh, these are amazing movies. I hold them in such high esteem, right? Yeah, this is what gets you into the right. superhero genre. Exactly. These are these are the movies that are very formative for me to be who I am right now. And I loved the the first two movies. They were, they were excellent. They got, for X-Men 1, great movie, awesome, right? X-Men 2, holy crap, this is amazing. Yep. Now, X-Men 3 has to be better. And they kill Professor Xavier. They kill Cyclops. I mean, meh. But they, they destroy the Phoenix story. Colossus is totally misused in this movie. Mm-hmm. Wolverine is... He looks like Storm. a glorified babysitter. Yeah. I mean... Storm in this movie became... I don't know what they were trying to do with her. Like, in the first movie, she had hardly any lines. In the second movie, she had angsty lines. And now she's like, nobody needs a cure. We, we're, there's nothing wrong with us. She tells that to Rogue, who Rogue can't touch people without killing them. And she wants to be close to Bobby. <laughs> you think that you would understand people that you're close with. And this, oh, good lord, this, this is horrible. This is a, um, this is a, a classic example of the production company has brought in a person because they wanted a person to do this. A specific person. They say, Brett Ratner, I want you to do this, or whoever it was. And that person dictated everyone that was around them in that group, right? So this whole group is working towards this one goal. So it's not that they're not fans of the franchise, but... It's they just, don't understand it's, it's a it. lack. It's a lack of, I want it to be this way, so it's this way. I'm not going to accept any outside input or what the fans want or what should happen based on what we know. It's just, this is the way that I want it. Can we talk for a second about the, the personification of both Charles and Magneto? Sure. Okay. In the first two movies, they, they wonderfully established these characters. Mm-hmm. Perfect acting. And they're amazing lines. actors. Yeah. I mean... In this movie, they give them these lines that are totally out of their character. I mean, you get Professor Xavier, who all of a sudden becomes like a dictator in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and how he's just not acting the same way, and he's he's completely a different character than the first two. And then you get Magneto, who I love the way that Ian McKellen acts Magneto in this movie. It's great. But 
They get a tit for tat, and then he sees Charles die in front of him. I think that that should have been more impactful for them because we know their history. Yeah. Even though they're on opposing sides, they're friends. Yep. They're they're mutants, and they understand each other. Yep. He, he that death should have been more impactful to Magneto. Absolutely. The other thing is when <laughs> when when. Phoenix kind of starts to lose it at the end, right? She becomes just like Dark destroying, yeah, yeah, destroying everything around her. Magneto gives us this terrible line. Looks, he's like tripping up to get out of there, and he he looks back and he's like, "What have I done?" Like he has a he has an Anakin like, "What have I done?" Line. It's just like, it's just terrible lines that mm. they give you. These are brilliant actors, yep. and you're giving them this. Crap to work with. Ah, there is no heart. There is no thought in this movie. It's like, hey, we read these comic book movies over a weekend. We aren't familiar with this stuff, but it's a movie. We can make it. Here you go. Yep. Give us $220 million, and here you go. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. There is no It was given to a bunch of people that don't have the heart, like you said, and they just they want it to be a certain way because that's their interpretation of it. But at the end of the day, you have all these X-Men fans out here going, why? Mm-hmm. Why? And then, there, and then the other people that just wanted to see a good action movie or you don't even know X-Men that well, but they saw the first two, they're just sitting there scratching their heads because mm-hmm. you didn't explain anything. Mm-hmm. And so with Wolverine... I love Wolverine. He's a he's a great character. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's probably the only representation that works for me in this movie. Still, mm-hmm. I like it when Iceman turns into his ice form at the end. But I wonder if that's because like Hugh Jackman is just so adamant about the fact how adamantium? he want <laughs> adamantium and <laughs> about how he wants to play Wolverine. You know what I mean? That even I mean he knows how important he is to the franchise. It's like I'm gonna play him this way. Mm-hmm. I don't care what your direction says. This is how. This is my Logan, my Wolverine. I feel like Ian McKellen and, and uh, Patrick Stewart should have done the same. Like when you no, read, here's the thing. I think that they they probably did question it, but they were probably like, "Well, these are the lines that we want you to say." And them being professional actors, and you know, they're under- nice people. Yeah, and they'll be like, oh, "If this is what you want me to do, I'll do it." I guarantee there were those discussions, but. Okay. Anyway, Ugh. another th- another problem with this movie is they they threw in a lot more mutants at you, right? A lot more. Yeah, w- way too many. way too many on both. I mean, on on Magneto's side, you got hundreds, and some of them look like they have the same kind of powers. Either that, or they killed the, or cured a guy, and then he was back like a minute later. I mm-hmm. that might have just been bad editing, which is possible. Um. So, <laughs> one guy in this movie, at the end when they're attacking the Alcatraz. He all he does is jumps up under a guard tower and holds on there, and then he gets cured, and then he's like, "Ah!" That's yeah. all he does. That's his big attack. I'm gonna jump up and hide here. You're not gonna see me. <laughs> so, but then he had all right. So we had the girl that was fast and could sense powers. She fights Storm a lot for some reason. And seriously, Storm, you control lightning and the weather. Yeah. You don't have to be, like, spinning up and then someone's going to hop on you. You can just be like, no, I'm going to charge myself. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be a power conduit for this lightning rod right now. If you touch me, you're fried. (sighs) Anyway, I think that they're going to Storm a lot better in the new movie. But anyway, with that girl, whatever, and then you get Juggernaut, who... I mean, he, he's. I like that actor. I kind of like the Juggernaut portrayal a little bit, but in the Juggernaut storyline, he's. 
he's got like this stone, I think, that kind of makes him really powerful. Mm-hmm. That that is how that works. He's not really a mutation, but so he's wearing this helmet, right? He says it protects his head or his face or whatever. And so he's running through all these walls, and then all of a sudden he gets to Leech's wall, and he hits it and falls down. He's wearing a helmet. He's not knocked out. The helmet that was supposed to protect you. That's not... It's not just for looks, ladies and gentlemen. It's a helmet. Yeah. It, and when you see that, it's it's kind of like, you know, when you're watching a horror movie and the... Or a first, horrible movie. Like or a X-Men? horrible movie. But it's like people just make like really obviously bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, it takes away from the realism of a movie. because There is nothing real about this movie. Because this is never going to be, you know, we're, we're talking about mutants, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously it's not real. But what can be translated into reality is how those mutants, if, if we're assuming that they do have these powers, how would they use them in real life to benefit them? And I have another thing. Why would they activate stealth mode as they land to get on the island? Wouldn't they be flying the entire way in stealth mode? Maybe it has like a cooldown or something. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're killing you for 30 seconds. Um, uh, so these other mutants on, on Magneto's side that we get. We got this one person who can clap her hands and then she can target all it's the like weapons. A sonic boom or something. How yeah. do you target the weapons with the sonic boom? You just do it and you hope that it hits them. You think about it real hard. <laughs> so, okay, and here's another thing. Magneto can, quote-unquote, smell his adamantium from a mile away or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And he can feel metal around him. When he goes up there to control the guns, he wouldn't be like, huh, oh, there's nothing happening. He would know that they use plastic right, right off the bat. He wouldn't sense the metal. Right. Or why doesn't he just take one of those metal watchtowers, rip it off, and wipe everybody off? <laughs> He just moved a bridge. He yeah. can do whatever he the wants. The Golden Gate Bridge, but, yeah. Because <sighs> they have to make it entertaining, but they don't do it in a logical way. True. They have to pose these these you know, these problems, these hurdles. Mm-hmm. They just don't do it in a logical way. That's, what, that's the difference between a good movie and a bad movie. If I can believe the logic behind what's happening and it's explained to me, even not as an X-Men fan, just as a moviegoer. It's a successful movie, and this movie failed on both accounts. It's like, okay, I didn't understand it, but that's probably because I'm not an X-Men fan. Nope. I'm an X-Men fan, and I still didn't understand it. So, there's so many mutants, but there's a couple more I want to talk about. There's one guy who's like a porcupine. (laughs) (laughs) That dude... Stupid. He's like, he comes up, he's he's intimidating. At one point, he's like, what do you do? Okay, so nothing. <laughs> and so then his big scene at the end, she's like, oh, it's okay. He's holding this girl, and then he like does his thing, and she's dead somehow? Yeah. It's like, no, that tickles. That's all it's going to do. It's like, ow, get off of me. That's <laughs> right. Oh, that is, okay. Stupid. I. They put too many mutants in this movie. Maybe he's supposed to be like a puffer fish or something. You know what I mean? Like they do that in defense, and then they inject something like a poison. Okay, so it's mutant power just pufferfish? <laughs> I'd say it was a good power to have. I just said that's... I don't uh, know. But... But if you got to sit here and you have this many questions and you and, and you have to try to find the logic behind why what something was done, why it was done... 20 minutes, honestly, fail. may have fixed this movie. 20 more minutes. More exposition. Don't give me 20 minutes of, 
oh, I'm gonna look at this. All these characters are gonna look at this thing, and then we're gonna like, ah, see what we're gonna do here. We're gonna take this. We're gonna use it on Magneto. That's what you spent your hour and forty four minutes on. Yeah, just little bits of you know moments like that. I did like the battle scene at the beginning uh, in the danger room when they fought that Sentinel. Oh yeah, definitely. Where, where you know Wolverine got thrown up there. There, there. there were some nice little scenes and touches in this movie, but Towards as the a beginning whole, of the movie, like it, it got off on a good tone, a good pace, and you're just thinking, "Dang, I'm in for a good ride," mm-hmm. and it just it's like a train that gets derailed. Yeah, and continuing on a little bit about the the horrible writing of this movie, there's a scene when they're about to go and they're like, "They're ready." Wolverine says to Storm, they're ready. And she's like, I know. But are you ready to do what you have to do when the time comes? Two things. Horrible line and horrible delivery. But I did like the way it's Storm Because looked. it's Brett Ratner. That's the type of direction that he... I mean, he did the he Rush Hour movie. He doesn't direct. He did the Rush Hour movie. No, but he doesn't direct. He's, he puts a camera out there and says, okay, whatever you think looks good. It's whatever. like corny action sequences. You know what I mean? It, that's his interpretation of the X-Men, and it's just... The first two were going for such a different tone. And they were great. And they were great in that way, because like I said, they took something that, you know, was that cartoon TV series that we watched when we were kids, and made it adult. Mm-hmm. And then in the third one, it's like they completely reverted back. It was like, I'm going to give you corny lines, uh, you know, it's not going to make any sense, just going to be a lot of action. Because, you know, why not? I have $210 million to play with. Mm-hmm. You know, this parallels Spider-Man. In, in Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3 a little bit, too. Oh, yeah. 1, 2 were really good, and 3 was just stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the, from Fox as well, from the same kind of time frame. So I just wonder what happened. There there had to have been a studio direction that changed or something that took tried to take control of this story who knew nothing about the comic, about the source material. And Wasn't this all around, like, the same time? Yeah. Too? Yeah. Interesting. And Fantastic Four came out about this time. Again, they didn't really understand the source material. They just made a movie. And I, I'm, 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 it's like if the Dark Knight movies came out, you have the, the Batman Begins, the Dark Knight, you know, two great movies, and then mm-hmm. Rises came out, which was still a good movie, but it wasn't quite up to the level of the other two. And I mean, that, that's a really hard one to follow. You right. know what I mean? Those first two were just phenomenal. And I mean, it was still really good. I mean, I didn't leave, I didn't, Leave you didn't leave the theater in the same way I did for the last stand or you know Spider Man three, mm-hmm. but I mean I I see the comparison. It's just maybe they just there's like a lack of direction. Like where do we go from here? How do we outdo ourselves? And you don't have to outdo and outthink yourselves to make a good movie. Just keep it consistent with what you've done so far, and the people are going to be happy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> there's a lot more I could rage about this movie, but I do want to say one good thing that I really, really do like about this movie, and that is the music. The Cyclops score. Died. <laughs> the oh, the music, yeah. Yes. The score by John, John or Josh Powell was actually really good in this movie, and mm-hmm. I do like that score. Um, I just wish that was to a better movie. Well, the music is separate than the movie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it complements the movie, so when the music is good, it makes the, the movie... You really need good music to have a good movie. You could have had Benny Hanna, or Benny Hanna, or... What is Benny Hill music when they were doing that last fight? <laughs> you really could have. And it would have fit because that was the tone of the movie that they were setting. <sighs> well, hopefully this 20th Century Fox, they recognize that they botched you know, Spider-Man 3, they botched The Last Stand. They're trying to correct it now. Right. Um, 
hopefully they put the right people back in their rightful position because they're they're probably sitting there looking at you know Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and look at how well they're succeeding. You know, Which, by the way, I really like this title card. The Marvel title card in this movie was really well done. It, it st- stood out a lot more to me mm-hmm. with a lot of like, more of the colors and just pops a lot good, a lot better. And this was the first one with um, Stanley, so his first cameo in the X Men movies. Mm-hmm. And this is the first one also that had a stinger at the end, which is just you know Charles' voice coming out of somebody else's body and saying Moira and saying Charles. So mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Next week, we'll be talking about a better movie. There is n- no movie that will be as bad, in my opinion, as this movie. I, I hope not. In this, in this X-Men discussion. Next week, we'll be talking about The Wolverine. I'm excited. I haven't seen it. I've it's, heard good things about it. It's, I mean, don't, don't go in with high expectations or nothing. Just I go in just with... saw The Last Stand, so I'm going in with those expectations. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, a standalone Wolverine story that will be good to, to check out next week. Alex, again, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. Uh, will you be joining us next week? Yeah. Awesome. If you'll have me. Oh. oh I know I'm just you. a stupid mutant. Oh, wait. Are Stop. Next week is not. Um, is next week. Um, it's Civil War. Civil War. Ah. We need a week off from X-Men oh. after this movie. I won't be joining you next week. <laughs> it comes out on Thursday night, doesn't it? I will be traveling for work. That's true. You will be traveling for work. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I forgot. I sent you on that mission. Oh, well. Hopefully I'll have some free time. I can go see it in a theater up there. So mm-hmm. that'd be good. So Alex will not be joining us next week, but he will be hopefully returning triumphantly for The Wolverine yeah, in two weeks' time. Absolutely. So next week, let me correct myself. Here as we go. Earlier, some Civil War. It's it's next week already. I can't believe so it. So excited for this movie. I... Ah, man. After seeing this movie, X-Men Last Stand, I yeah. need a good movie next week. And this is going to be a good movie. Yeah. It's going to be really good. So look forward to that next week. And anything you would like to plug, Mr. Dwayne? Are you on the tweets and on the Xboxes and I may be games? on the tweets I never use and the Xbox I haven't played in the, in about a month. <laughs> but uh, if you want to look me up, it's at D-O-U-E-1-H-1. I promise I'll try to respond. <laughs> so, and for me, the I am at Sith Nightmare on Twitter. I am Spider Jedi on Xbox. The show is at Entertaining Pod. You can send us an email. That's entertaining at gmail.com. Or if you want to help me try to figure out what's wrong with my mail server issues that I'm trying to figure out too, uh, shoot an email to connect at that's entertaining.net. C O N N E C T at that's entertaining.net. This was a terrible movie. They can't all be good, right? But that's right. It gives you perspective. It makes you more thankful for what you get. Absolutely. And I'm glad that I I could discuss it with you and get some of this rage out. And dear listener, I hope you enjoyed the journey because it was interesting. (laughs) Uh. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for us this week. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have been entertained.